right, good morning, everyone. We are now in the fifth week of the series we've been going through, the book of Jonah, the gospel of second chances. Just a beautiful, beautiful message, beautiful story in the book of Jonah. And uh, speaking of second chances, I want to start today by telling one more story from campus. So uh, Liz got to tell a few. I'm going to tell one. I'd love to tell you about my new friend, Justin. Justin is a student at one of the schools in Connecticut where we serve. And he's not your, not your typical undergrad in several ways. Uh, for one, Justin, when he graduated high school, he went straight into the Marine Corps and, and spent time serving overseas. And when he returned from the service, Justin, like uh, a lot of our veterans, was diagnosed with PTSD and a traumatic brain injury, was struggling a lot to reenter life here stateside. Uh, and, and struggling with depression, struggling with uh, relationships. He felt like there was no one he could trust, no one who could relate to him besides the people that he served with. And so uh, the relationships that had been close to him, like his family, he was kind of cut off from them. Those relationships were in a bad place. He was depressed in many ways and just trying to kind of cope with all the pain that he was carrying. So he turned to alcohol, was, was uh, abusing alcohol pretty seriously, and that led him into all kinds of trouble. The worst of it was he got in a pretty serious motorcycle accident. He was operating his motorcycle under the influence and crashed. And then he sustained some pretty serious injuries through that. And so then he got into painkillers and, and other kinds of pills. Uh, and, you know, it was just kind of spiraling downward from there. Increasingly depressed and increasingly turning to chemicals to ease that depression and to, to cope somehow. The one thing that kind of kept him going through this was that he did have some career aspirations. There was a job that he, he really wanted to get, and he was kind of holding on in order to, uh, to get the job that he wanted. But then was told that with his record, he would never be able to get it. And so that dried up. And at that point, Justin thought, well, what's the point then? I have real, really no, no purpose at all in going on. And so he made a plan to take his own life and actually owned a handgun and had it, had it loaded one night and was planning to, to go through with it and take his own life. But just before he did, he had this strong kind of, he describes it as just this really strong feeling in his heart that he should pray. Just couldn't, couldn't quite explain it, but, but all he could think about was, I should pray, I should pray right now. And at that moment, he remembered something. He remembered a few weeks prior to that, He'd been just kind of wasting time on the internet, looking around, flipping through his Facebook, and, and somehow as he was doing that, this pop-up video uh, just sort of appeared uh, with Billy Graham in it. And just out of curiosity, he was kind of looking at everything. He popped, clicked on the Billy Graham video, and it talked about praying to Jesus, and, and then he closed it and never, never really thought about it again. But at that moment, he, thought, he remembered that, and he, thought, he said, okay, I'll pray to Jesus. And he cr- kind of just cried out, the end of his rope, prayed to Jesus, Jesus, help me, Jesus, save me, Jesus, turn this around. And then he fell asleep. And the next morning, he describes waking up and feeling like just a completely different person. The depression was, was somehow missing, wasn't there. He felt like he had new life altogether. And this, this has just happened in the past eight months or so. And Justin's life has done a complete 180 since then, since he cried out to Jesus. He's no longer uh, depressed. He's no longer abusing alcohol and other substances. He's living kind of a clean and sober life. He's working hard. He's, kinda, he's restored relationships with his parents.
parents and with people close to him. In fact, his mother and his sister, uh, whom he'd been pretty alienated from before, he's led them both to faith in the last couple of months. And so, you know, reconciled relationships, he's serving in his church, just a, a dramatic turnaround. It almost sounds made up, right? It's just so dramatic and so amazing, but it, it's a turnaround story. And really, history is full of turnaround stories orchestrated by Jesus. God has been in the business of turnaround, of turning lives around for a long, long time. We're going to look at a turnaround story today. But, I mean, really, if you think about it, there have been millions upon millions, maybe hundreds of millions, maybe billions of lives turned around by Jesus. And we're going to look at a turnaround story today. So turn with me to Jonah, if you would. The book of Jonah. We're finally going to get into chapter 2 today, after four or so weeks. But look with me again uh, at the very end of chapter 1. This is where we left off last week. We left off at the, the last verse of chapter 1, which says, Now the Lord, Jonah had uh, gone overboard of a ship. He'd been running away from God. And um, you can catch up on the podcast if you haven't heard all that. It says, Now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. So that's where we left off last week. Now, if you weren't here and you have questions about that, like about the great fish and how, what that all was about, um, I'd really recommend you listen to the podcast. Pastor Tom did a great job explaining kind of how we should think about uh, this, this fish story and the miracle, the, the way that God acted supernaturally to save Jonah in this situation. Uh, did a great job, so I won't repeat all that, uh, but we'll just kind of move on. But that's where we left off. Jonah had been swallowed up by a fish, and now let's move into chapter 2, where Jonah is inside. So chapter 2, starting in verse 1. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. He said, In my distress I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead I called for help, and you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the depths, into the very heart of the seas, and the currents swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I have been banished from your sight. Yet I will look again toward your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains I sank down. The earth beneath barred me in forever. But you, Lord my God, brought my life up from the pit. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple, Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. But I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed I will make good. I will say, salvation comes from the Lord. And the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. So largely, this passage consists of a prayer by Jonah. So Jonah does most of the talking here in our passage today. And we'll look at what he says, but the real hero of the story is God. The real hero of the story is God. At the heart of Jonah's story, it's a turnaround, a dramatic turnaround, a rescue. And the hero of the story is God. All along, we've been saying that the book of Jonah, it's not about a fish. It's not 
even primarily about Jonah himself. It's a story about God and God's relentless love and pursuit of people. And today's passage is no different. But let's look a little bit at Jonah's prayer. A couple things to know about it. For one, uh, in the original Hebrew, this uh, prayer of Jonah is poetic. It's in a poetry form. So the rest of the book is in a narrative form. But this is in poetry. And so what that means is this prayer is it's probably not a dictation of like word for word everything that Jonah said inside the fish. But it is accurate because it captures what he said truthfully. It captures what he said. Um, but it captures it in kind of an artful summary. It's an artful summarization of everything that he prayed from there, but not necessarily like a dictated word-for-word sort of thing. But it's a summary to capture the main ideas, to capture the heart of it, and to teach us. And speaking of poetry, Jonah quotes a number of psalms, which is kind of the poetry book in the Bible, the main poetry book. Jonah quotes a ton of psalms, at least Psalm 18, Psalm 30, Psalm 31, Psalm 42, Psalm 69, and Psalm 120. And there's a number of others that you could make a case Jonah is alluding to here. Quotes a number of psalms. And uh, not just one at a time, like this psalm and then this one and then this one, but he's got lines and verses and and images from from each of the psalms kind of sprinkled all throughout this prayer. And so it seems like kind of a, I don't know, just like a random collection of sayings, sort of a collage maybe of psalms. Perhaps the current day phrase for it would be it's like word vomit. I don't know if you ever heard that, but just sort of like, you say everything you're thinking, it all just kind of spews out, and it's messy. And at first glance, this prayer could look a little bit like word vomit, which would make sense under the duress that Jonah was under. But this prayer is not word vomit. There's actually quite a bit of structure uh, in the original Hebrew to this prayer, and I want to kind of visualize that for us a little bit. So we'll take a look at the structure of this prayer. So this prayer is structured, some say, in what's called a chiasm, which is kind of a common structure. There are several biblical stories and passages that follow a chiastic structure, which follows this sort of A, B, C, D, C, B, A kind of structure. So it's almost like a mirror or a butterfly, like there's a hinge in the middle, and then for everything that comes before the hinge, there, there's something that comes after it that's like a parallel that corresponds to it that's similar to what was before, but it's very different on the other side. It's different as a result of the hinge. So you could tell Justin's story that I told as kind of a chiasm. So it's like, you know, A, he was alienated from the people closest to him. B, he was abusing substances. C, he was depressed. D, he cried out to Jesus, and Jesus met him and turned him around. And then C, he was no longer depressed. B, he was no longer abusing substances. And A, he was reconciled to those closest to him. That kind of makes sense. So this this story, this prayer, kind of follows a chiastic structure, and the passage really starts with verse 117. The uh, English chapter markers came later. It really starts here. So this story, it kind of begins with Jonah being swallowed up by the fish. It ends with Jonah being vomited out of the fish. Then we have uh, in verse uh, chapter 2, verses 1 to 3, we have Jonah kind of a prayer for deliverance, a crying out, a prayer for deliverance. And then towards the end of his prayer, it's a prayer of thanksgiving, a prayer of someone who's been delivered and is thanking God and making vows to God in response to being delivered. We have Jonah looking towards the temple before, just kind of turning to God, looking towards God in his temple. And then later we see God hearing Jonah from the temple. His prayer rises to God. And then in the middle, this is the heart of it. 
and the chiasm is meant to draw us to the center because that's the focal point. The middle is in verses 5 and 6. The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains I sank down. The earth beneath barred me in forever. But you, Lord my God, brought my life up from the pit. The center is a turnaround and a dramatic turnaround. We see Jonah sink as far down as he can possibly go. Last week, Pastor Tom talked about the downward spiral of sin that we see illustrated in Jonah. He's been spiraling down and down and down, and now God comes in and lifts him up. The direction changes entirely. It's a turnaround story with God as the hero. God rescues him. God lifts him up from the pit, and everything's different after that. As a matter of fact, the whole story, the whole book of Jonah turns around here. If you remember, in the very beginning, Jonah was in Jerusalem. So let's say where I'm standing is in Jerusalem. And God called Jonah to go to Nineveh, which would be over there. And Jonah went like this towards Tarshish. And he's just been running away from God, going in the complete opposite direction, as far away as he can go from Nineveh. But now the story is going to turn around completely, and later on we'll see Jonah go towards Nineveh. And the rest of the story is going to take place there in Nineveh, where God wanted him all along. And this is the point where it turns around. He's not running away anymore. He's not going to disobey anymore, but he's going to go. So the whole story turns around, and we'll see lots more turnaround as Jonah goes on. But it starts with just the turnaround of Jonah's life. God reaching in at the lowest point, cutting off the downward spiral and lifting him up. It's a turnaround story. The whole narrative turns around and the hero is God. And God loves this. He loves to do this. He loves to turn stories around. He loves to turn lives around. He loves to be the hero of our stories. He loves it when we give him credit for rescuing our lives from the pit. He's in the business of turnaround. He's in the business of cutting off downward spirals and sending things in the other direction. And I wonder... Do any of you here today need a turnaround in your life? Is there any kind of downward spiral you've been on? Is there a way you've been running from God? Is there a way things have been piling up and getting worse? Is there a way that you're just fed up with the direction that things are going and you need a turnaround? Well, just know that you're in the right place because God is a God of turnaround. If you're in need of rescuing, you've come to the right place. God is a God of rescue. If you need to be lifted up from some kind of pit in your life, no matter how great or small, that's what God does. That's what he wants you to know. He wants you to just simply turn to him. Jonah doesn't do much here other than just turn to God and receive the rescue that God has for him. If you need to turn around, that's what God is all about. He wants to be the hero of your story. And now, I want to be clear, you don't need to hit rock bottom. You don't need to wait until you're in a position like Justin. You don't need to wait until you're in a position like Jonah. You don't need to hit rock bottom. As a matter of fact, any kind of sin, any kind of distance from God, any kind of running from God really is rock bottom. 
I remember when I first came to faith in college, I had a, a fairly dramatic story myself. I'd, it's got kind of the gory details of some really poor choices I made and the consequences of those, and, and then I turned around and stopped doing those things. And um, yeah, it's, it's a fairly dramatic turnaround. And I remember at the time there were some other uh, Christian friends of mine who, were, who would say, oh man, your story, it's so exciting, it's so dramatic, my story is so boring, like, I've always known God, I've always grown up knowing God, it's kind of, it's kind of boring. And I would think, oh my gosh, no, hey, you don't know how good you have it. Like, the fact that you know God at all is a rescue, it's a miracle, it's a turnaround. The fact that maybe you haven't uh, experience some of the, the downward spiral that I've experienced, that's every bit as much an act of grace and deliverance on God's part in your life as it is that he lifted me out of those things in my life. You don't need to hit rock bottom. You need to know that any distance from God, any running from God, any sin in your life is rock bottom. And whether you've known him a long time or you've never known God before at all, he will turn things around as you turn to him. God loves to be the hero of our stories for anyone. Later in Jonah, we'll see people who've never known God at all before. In Jonah's case, we have someone who knows God really well, or should at least. He's got all the religious pedigree. And, and, but even for him, anytime he runs, anytime he falls, anytime he slips, God rescues him, shows him grace, shows him compassion. God loves to turn stories around and he loves to save people. He saves Jonah here. He's been saving people ever since. So we've looked at the heart of Jonah's prayer, but now I'd like to look at the climax of Jonah's prayer. We've looked at the middle, but now let's look at the end. The very last thing Jonah says, I will say salvation comes from the Lord. Salvation comes from the Lord. So, you know, the heart of Jonah's prayer is a dramatic turnaround, and the climax of Jonah's prayer is all about salvation and God's saving power and God's saving love and grace. It's really interesting. Uh, God, salvation here means so many things. God saves Jonah from so many things. A, he saves him from death. Jonah would have certainly died in the middle of the ocean without God's help. He saves him in so many other ways. It's a very multi-dimensional salvation. Uh, last week, Pastor Tom talked about five other Ds uh, that happen when we spiral down and run away from God. We have uh, going in the wrong direction. We have distance from God, difficult circumstances, bad decisions, and finally, disaster. And then we could add a sixth D this week, death. Uh, God saves Jonah from all of these things. It's a really comprehensive, all-encompassing salvation. He saves him from going in the wrong direction. He saves him from his bad decisions, saves him from disaster, overcomes the distance between him and God, saves him from death, and he can save us in all of these ways as well. Any of these things at work in our lives, our bad decisions, our difficult circumstances, our distance from God, our going in the wrong direction, disasters, and ultimately death, God can save us from these things. It's interesting uh, in verse 9 when Jonah says, salvation belongs to the, the Lord. You know, in Hebrew, that word for salvation is Yeshua. It's the same root word 
as the Hebrew name for Jesus. Jesus embodies and fulfills God's salvation for us and saves us in a holistic, comprehensive, multidimensional way. Jesus can save us from our bad decisions. He saves us from our difficult circumstances, from going the wrong direction, from our distance from God, and ultimately from death itself. When Jesus is named in the first chapter of the Gospel of Matthew, you might hear this coming up with Advent and Christmas on the way. Uh, God, the angel says to Joseph, you will give him the name Jesus because he will save the peop- his people from their sins. Jesus could have been named anything, really, but he was named He Saves. And there's a common expression, Jesus saves. It's almost repetitive. It's like saying, he saves, saves. That's who he is. He's a savior. He saves us in all the ways that Jonah was saved here and more. Now, Jonah is not a passive agent in all of this, in this story. He turns to God, he looks to God, he responds to God, and he kind of walks out his salvation. But at the end of the day, it's God who saves. God is the Savior. Salvation belongs to the Lord. I just want to look at, just fill out this a little bit. Look at three things that Jonah experiences. We'll put the first two up first. Jonah experiences both the kindness of God and the wrath of God. This is a story at the end of the day. It just kind of begins and ends with God's kindness. God showing kindness. We talked about it last week. Jonah's been running away and running away and running away, and and God continues to pursue him and continues to provide for him. He can't outrun God, and God rescues him from certain death in the middle of the sea. God's kindness is there from beginning and to end. The story begins with God's kindness. Jonah's prayer celebrates God's kindness, and it propels him further into God's kindness. It's all about God's kindness. But You can't fully understand God's kindness without also talking some about God's wrath. Jonah experiences the kindness of God, but he also comes face to face with the wrath of God. Now, we don't like to talk about the wrath of God sometimes. I admit, I often have not liked it. I hear God's wrath talked about in so many unhealthy, unhelpful ways, and I don't want to be that guy. And so sometimes I just don't think about it. I just don't talk about it. But honestly, if we don't talk about the wrath of God, we'll never fully understand the kindness of God. To take that away just dulls down God's kindness to a pretty wimpy level. But Jonah experiences the wrath of God first. In verse 3, You hurled me into the depths, into the very heart of the seas, Your currents swirled about me, and all your waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I have been banished from your sight. Jonah is in the water, and this is not like a a ride at the water park at Six Flags. This is terrifying, unpleasant time in the water for Jonah. I mean, think Titanic. People going overboard and the terror of water rising, people drowning. I and mean, this, is, this is a terrifying situation that Jonah is in. He's been thrown overboard into the sea. It's terrifying. He has realized once and for all that he can't outrun God. He's been trying to outrun God. He can't do it. God has found him. 
He's realized that, wow, God has made the sea itself. God is all-powerful. And honestly, God has the power to destroy him. He comes face to face with that. And really, at this point, God has every right to destroy Jonah. Jonah's given God nothing but bad attitude and disobedience. And this is God. This is like the God who made him, who formed him, who's been gracious and kind to him, who's provided for him. And Jonah has essentially spit in God's face throughout this whole story. So at this point, I mean, God really has every right to destroy Jonah. He's flagrantly defied God at every turn. He's been completely selfish and, and defied God. And Jonah realizes he, des- he realizes he deserves to die. Earlier in chapter one, Jonah, you know, he realized the situation he was in. He said, throw me overboard. Throw me overboard. He realized, like, that's, you know, that's actually the right and just and fair thing to do here. He realizes that God can destroy him and that God, you know, has every right to. But God doesn't. God doesn't. And that's kindness. I mean, that's kindness. Wow, the God who who could destroy Jonah and has every right to destroy Jonah and punish him, but chooses not to. I mean, that's kindness. D.A. Carson, a theologian, says this about about God's wrath. He says, if there is no wrath, then forbearance, or kindness, is no longer a virtue. It dissolves into some strange alchemy of niceness and moral indifference. There's a lot of fancy words in there. But um, essentially what he's saying, you know, if you take God's wrath out of the picture, then God's kindness basically reduces God to just sort of being a nice guy. Just kind of a nice guy, maybe can't or doesn't punish evil. Um, It's just nice. And, And God is nice, but to get a full, real, dynamic, powerful picture of the kindness of God, we have to understand his wrath. We have to understand that like Jonah, God actually is all powerful. God has the power to destroy us. And if we're honest, we admit that God actually would be perfectly justified in doing that. Maybe we haven't run away in such a dramatic way as Jonah here, but it's just a dramatized picture to show us that this is what we're all like. We all run from God. We all turn from God. We all fall short of who God is and what he wants us to be. The fact is, God has the power to destroy us and he has every right to do so, but he chooses to show forbearance. He chooses to show us kindness. God chose to pour out his wrath on his son, Jesus Christ. Jesus, the one who saves us from our sins, took God's wrath upon himself. You know, the cross was no Six Flags ride either. Jesus was brutalized and punished and tortured and killed. He endured everything that our rebellion and disobedience and defiance of God deserves so that we don't have to. That's kindness. I mean, why else would Jesus do that? You have to understand how the wrath of God was at play there, but it was the place where God's kindness was most fully on display. Jesus taking all the punishment, all the destruction, everything that all of our disobedience and running from God deserve, taking it upon himself so that we don't have to. And we can just choose to trust him for that. We cannot take 
the, the punishment upon ourselves, we can choose to trust in Jesus and his taking it for us. That is kindness. And that is what salvation looks like. And some of you maybe need to do that. Maybe some of you think that just by being a good enough person, you can stand before God and you know, kind of weigh all the good things you've done in your life, maybe in a religious setting, maybe not. But either way, they don't add up. And honestly, you need to put your trust in Jesus for God to deliver you and set you free. But it doesn't end there. Now, this is not just, salvation is not just about God saving Jonah from certain disaster and certain death. And it's not just about him saving us from death and disaster and wrath and all these things. But God saves Jonah to a new life. That's the third thing Jonah finds, is a new life from God. The very end, he says, I with shouts of grateful praise will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will make good. I will say salvation comes from the Lord. We've called this series the gospel of second chances. And Jonah gets a second chance. He doesn't just get delivered from his trouble. He doesn't just get spared. He gets a second chance. He's going to actually go to Nineveh now. I mean, if I were God, I wouldn't trust Jonah to go to Nineveh. I asked him to go, and he said, no. I'm going to find somebody else. But God gives Jonah a second chance. He gives him a new lease on life, and we're going to see God work powerfully through Jonah in the rest of this book. Jonah's going to be used by God to do great and amazing things. I mean, how awesome is that? This guy who ran away from God, who wanted nothing to do with God's call. Now he's been rescued and God entrusts him with a really important task and he works through him in a powerful way. I mean, that is grace. It's amazing. It's a second chance. It's one thing to just have the slate wiped clean and be forgiven, but then to be entrusted and sent out and given new life and new purpose. God just doesn't save us from things. He saves us to Things. He saves us to a new life, to a new purpose. And he works through us and uses us in amazing ways. He saves us to a fruitful life. He gives us another chance, God of second chances. Justin, who I talked about, this guy who was at the end of his rope, nothing to offer and felt like he had no reason to even live. I talked with him on Friday and he was about to go up to a conference with his church and serve on the prayer team. At our fall conference a few weeks ago, he, he got to pray with people and pray for people for the first time. He just loved it, realized actually he's pretty gifted at it. So he's going up on a church retreat this weekend, and God is going to use him to minister to people and to pray for people. And the fact that I'm, I get to do ministry, I mean, I need to remember that this is just a complete grace from God. Any of us who are serving God or being used by God or want to be used by God in any significant way to bring about his kingdom and to bless people, we got to remember the hero of our story is God. It's not us. It's not about us. And in fact, you're really ready to be used by God when you know that the hero of your story is God and not you, not your gifts, not anything you bring to the table. God saves Jonah from so much, but he saves him to so much as well, and he wants to do that for us. There's a lot of things that you probably need to be saved from, some of you, but there's also a lot that God wants to save you to. He wants to give you a second chance. 
wants to give you a fruitful life. And I want to close by having us read together um, from the book of Ephesians, Paul's letter to the Ephesians. This sums it up pretty well. Read this with me. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Let me pray. Father, we thank you that we are the objects of your kindness. Thank you that we do not need to be the objects of your wrath. You took that all upon yourself so that we can go free, that we can live this life of good works that you've prepared for us. Lord, I want to pray for everyone in here to step deeper into this story, deeper into this salvation, this good news. Lord, some of us need a severe turnaround, and we need it soon. We're feeling the effects of our disobedience. We're feeling far from you, and we are far from you. Some of us are facing the consequences of poor choices that we've made. And Lord, we need a new life. We need a new lease on life. We need it from you. We need to be lifted up from the pit. For anyone in here today who is in the pit, spiritually, in any other way, I ask God that you would lift them up. That you would call them to yourself. That they would turn to you experience your deliverance and your salvation. And Lord, for all of us, even those who kind of, we feel like we're doing pretty good, I pray that you would teach us what an act of grace, what a miracle it is that we know you. I pray that you would rescue us right away when we start to run from you, that we wouldn't have to hit rock bottom. You would teach us to be people who turn to you right away, who know your grace, who know your deliverance. And Father, I pray that you would release each individual here and this whole church to the new life, to the good works that you have prepared for us. Thank you, God, that you used like a punk like Jonah to do awesome things. And that's how you look towards us. Lord, you qualify us, you equip us. Help us to know the hero of our stories is you, yourself, and would you use us, even despite all of our unworthiness, all of our unqualifiedness, would you prepare good works for us and help us to step into them and turn us around and turn this city around. In Jesus' name, amen.